All right, before I start the show, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, you might remember that I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, about how his company has helped thousands of people understand their bodies better through metabolism tracking. Well, MetPro just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and tailored strategy that their experts use. So you can start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. Now, my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up, so head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to learn more. Welcome to the Get Fit Guy's quick and dirty tips to get moving and shape up. My name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm the Get Fit Guy. And in this episode, we're going to look at some protocols that will not only ensure minimal levels of post-workout aches and pains, but we're also going to look at ways that you can allow your body to recover quickly and gain better fitness and strength from, well, that killer workout that landed you in this mess of pain. Now, since I published the podcast episode called Six Reasons Recovery is Essential to Your Exercise Routine, I have received several questions from readers that are looking for more information on how to properly recover. So, in this episode, we're going to look at some of the protocols that will not only ensure that you have minimal levels of post-workout discomfort, but that will also allow your body to recover quickly and to gain better fitness and strength from being the dedicated mover and lifter that you are. But first, a little reminder on why recovery is important. As you learned in that previous podcast that I mentioned, our fitness builds and our muscles grow and we become more fit and strong when our bodies are placed under, well, a certain amount of stress. Then, during the recovery period, after that workout or stress, the body repairs its fibers and it builds new blood vessels to those stressed areas. In addition, the energy-generating components of our cells, the mitochondria, develop a better work ethic, and even our bones step it up a notch. But, and this is a big but, none of these adaptations will occur if the body is not allowed to get the rest and recovery that it needs. Basically, exercising without recovery is a bit like trying to cook a steak without turning on the grill. You go through all the steak cooking rituals, but your meal is still going to be served raw. Often, when I tell one of the athletes that I coach that they need to take a recovery day, they panic and they think that I'm telling them they need to stay in bed or lay on the couch with a box of bonbons, and that causes alarm bells to ring in their well-trained brain. But that is far from what I intend for them to do. What I prefer is something called active recovery. The activity known as active recovery is simple. Rather than letting the inflammation, the swelling, and the muscle damage simply sit there like a lump after you've crushed a hard workout or a race, you move your muscles instead. An active recovery includes easy workouts that are the equivalent of no more than 60% of your maximum effort. I mean, in other words, very low to moderate intensity. This type of movement helps the muscles stay loose and can bring more blood flow to the areas with damaged tissue. This can help them heal faster and allow you to be better able to bounce back more quickly. Circulation of blood in and out of the stressed body parts improves the speed of recovery, 
and techniques that can improve that blood flow include cooling down after exercise, taking a walk or an easy bike ride, performing light stretching during or after each workout, alternating between warm and cool running water during your post-workout shower, <laughs> taking an ice bath a while after your weight training workout or hard run, and even performing a light jog or a swim or an easy exercise routine the day after the hard workout. Now, active recovery has also been shown in studies to help your immune system by moving what is known as lymph fluid around your body, and that can make you less likely to get sick, even after a tough event or a long period of hard workouts. Now, when one of the athletes that I coach sees recovery day in their schedule, it often reads something like this. This is not a day to lay on the couch or to make up for a missed workout. Today is a day to actively focus on recovery. And then I break it down like this. In the morning, start with 10 to 15 minutes of foam rolling and massage ball. Hunt for every tight and sore spot and roll it out. Then move on to 10 to 15 minutes of gentle movement, stretching, and deep breathing. Then in the afternoon or evening, choose any or all of the following depending on the time you have available. Number one, a cold, hot contrast shower of 20 seconds cool water, 10 seconds warm water, 10 times through, which equals five minutes in total. Number two, a 30 minute sauna, or number three, 20-minute ice bath, cold water soak. Then, all day long, I suggest you eat and hydrate well. Focus on a variety of veggies, a decent amount of protein, and add in a few more carbs than usual, avoiding those inflammatory refined sugars, of course. So, now, with that in mind, let's examine each one of those techniques and also a few others in more detail. Let's start with foam rolling. You can go and check out the article called The Many Benefits of Foam Rolling for more info on this, but I also want to tell you about a study that was published in the Medicine and Science in Sport and Exercise that actually investigated whether foam rolling could reduce soreness and boost recovery. This study looked at how foam rolling protocols affected soreness following a squat workout. 20 men were split up into two groups, and both groups underwent a pretty serious squat workout that included 10 sets of 10 back squats at 60% of one rep max. Now, after the squats, both groups were evaluated for their soreness level, quadriceps and hamstring range of motion, performance during a vertical leap test, and measurements of muscle electrical activity. Then, after the tests, half of the men did a foam rolling routine and the other half, well, just hit the showers. The study concluded that the foam rolling routine had three effects. One, it significantly reduced muscle soreness. Number two, it caused a significant increase in quadriceps range of motion. And number three, it led to better performance in a vertical leap test. Now, another study that was done at the Memorial University in Newfoundland looked at the immediate benefits that you get when you finish a foam rolling routine. And in this study, after only two minutes of foam rolling, 
quadriceps range of motion had increased by 10 degrees, where the control group, who didn't foam roll, only saw an increase of 1 degree. So what makes foam rolling decrease soreness, speed up recovery, and increase range of motion? Well, it comes down to the movement of connective tissue. While exercise damages connective tissue, which stimulates pain receptors and inhibits muscle activation, using a foam roller actually helps repair the damage to your connective tissue. This has a direct effect on decreasing soreness and preventing a drop in performance after a hard workout. Before I go on, I want to tell you about our sponsor, MetPro. Last spring, I did an episode with MetPro's founder, Angelo Poli, all about metabolism. And his company, MetPro, continues to help thousands of people transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism through concierge coaching. Now, I spent a couple of months actually using MetPro a while ago, and it was a really cool experience, I have to say. MetPro is doing some really interesting and innovative work to help you better understand your body so you can get the results you want. And MetPro actually just launched a brand new tool that lets you see the same science and the tailored strategy that their experts are using. And you know what? It's not a food logging tool or a workout app for that matter. The MetPro app actually allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to using science. And my listeners get up to one month for free when you sign up if you head to metpro.co slash getfitguy to take advantage of this opportunity. That's metpro.co slash getfitguy for up to one month for free. Okay, the next recovery tip is hot or cold therapy. If you remember, this was the second thing that I listed for my athletes on their recovery day. I include this for a few reasons. One being that growth hormone is crucial for repair and recovery of muscles, and research has shown that two 20-minute sauna sessions separated by 30-minute cooling period elevates growth hormone levels two-fold over baseline. Then two 15-minute sauna sessions at an even warmer temperature, separated by a 30-minute cooling period, resulted in a five-fold increase in growth hormone, and that is pretty important. Now, perhaps even more important, though, is that repeated exposure to whole-body intermittent hyperthermia, or overheating, boosts growth hormone immediately afterward, and two one-hour sauna sessions for seven days has been shown to increase that same growth hormone up to 16 times. Now, adding to the recovery is that a sauna also increases blood flow to the skeletal muscles, which helps keep the muscles fueled with oxygen, amino acids, fatty acids, and glucose, while simultaneously removing byproducts of metabolic processes, such as lactate and calcium ions. Then there are the benefits to your immune system. In Germany, sauna medical research showed that heat therapy is able to significantly reduce the incidences of colds and influenza. And both Finnish and German studies show that regular sauna bathing leads to a 30% lower chance of getting a cold. Now on the other side of the temperature spectrum, a cold water soak after a workout enhances the recovery of muscle function. But... And again, this is a big but, 
cold water plunges immediately after training also appear to impair long-term muscular adaptations to resistance training. So in a nutshell, a cold bath may help get you moving in the short term, but it may be at the cost of some of those long-term adaptations. But in any case, science still shows us that cold water exposure can restore muscles' contractile function and reduce soreness following collision sports like rugby. And both cold water immersion and hot-cold contrast therapy can help restore force production after performing some high-intensity interval training. And the icing on the cake is that cold water immersion also helps cyclists maintain their high performance when they're training hard or in some sort of multi-day event on consecutive days. And basketball players who also used cold immersion recovery from their games maintained a higher jump height on consecutive days. Now the last workout on my recovery day list is to eat and hydrate well. Because working out expends energy or calories and that energy must be replenished before you are able to fully recover and get yourself ready for another workout. Now a friend and mentor of mine, Mark Sisson over at Mark's Daily Apple, always says eat the carbs you earn. While that often means eating fewer carbs, it can also mean eating more if you've trained hard enough to warrant them. It is important to remember that what you replenish depends on the type of exercise that you engaged in. And if you went for an easy bike ride or a long walk that burned primarily body fat, well, obviously you don't want to worry about replenishing that. But if you just crushed a 30-minute full-body insert brand name here session that left you feeling weak as a kitten and sweaty as a Florida gator, well then you probably have some glycogen or carbohydrate stores to refill in your liver and your muscles. Eating inadequate calories coupled with some of these intense exercise sessions can eventually send your body a we're in trouble signal. And this can cause your body to downregulate our anabolic hormones. So instead of growing the lean mass that we want and burning the body fat that we don't want, this state of so-called starvation can actually cause muscle atrophy and body fat retention, which is not what we are looking for at all. Now, as far as protein goes, I'm going to quote Monica Reinagel, the nutrition diva here at the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, from her podcast episode called How to Build More Muscle with Less Protein. And this is what she said. Building and repairing muscle tissue requires protein. And that's a nutrient that our bodies have to use as it comes in. We can't store it for future use. Whenever we eat foods containing protein, we get a little burst of muscle building activity. The amount of muscle you build is dependent on the amount of protein you take in at that meal. So, eating a little protein builds a little muscle. Take in more protein, build more muscle. But only up to a point. There was some research done by Douglas Padden Jones of the University of Texas, and it shows that muscle protein synthesis, which is your body's ability to use protein effectively, peaks at 30 grams of protein per meal. Now, anything above that is largely wasted in terms of its muscle-building benefit. 
So that is a good place to aim whether you're using the preferred source of real food protein, uh, powder, or you're getting it in bar form. And finally, dehydration is also one of the recovery enemies. So it's advised that you try to drink one 20 to 24 ounce serving of water for each hour of exercise that you engage in. Now notice that I didn't say sports drink, energy drink, or soda. I said water. There is a great book on this subject by Professor Tim Noakes, and the book is called Waterlogged, and I recommend that you read it if you are still very much a slave to the sports drink industry. But suffice to say that if you get some good food, which contains many vital minerals, and some water into your belly, you will be headed in the right direction. All right, those were the major tips, but here are some other recovery quick and dirty tips that you can also give a try. And the first one is wear compression garments. Now check out the article that's called the best way to use compression gear for some extra info on this. And I'll link to all of that and all the studies and everything else over at getfitguy.quickanddirtytips.com and look for episode 404. And that is where you will find a link to this meta-analysis called Compression Garments and Recovery from Exercise. And it looked at all the available research. And it concluded that compression garments can indeed enhance muscle recovery after strength training and can also improve next day cycling performance. Now the next tip is to use lotions and creams and salves. There are several sticky, slippery, and gooey compounds that you can rub on your sore muscles to alleviate the soreness and help improve recovery. Now, most of these goops work by creating a pain-relieving and cooling sensation, which can increase the blood flow and even displace elevated levels of byproducts like calcium. The next quick tip is to reduce your stress. Yes, Researchers at the Yale Stress Center recently published a study in the journal Medicine and Science in Sports and Exercise that confirms that mental stress actually impairs workout recovery. So yes, I know that some stress is unavoidable in this modern world, but many of us seem to create or even seek out additional stress in our lives. We also fail to do enough to counter or manage the stress through things like mindfulness practice, breathing, yoga, or simply unplugging occasionally. And that leads me to the next tip, which is get some sleep. Carrying a sleep debt can impair exercise recovery by increasing cortisol, lowering testosterone, and lowering muscle protein synthesis. It can also impair recovery by disrupting slow-wave sleep, which is the stage of sleep which shows a peak in growth hormone, and growth hormone is known to heal tissues and rebuild muscles. Sleep deprivation has also been linked to muscular atrophy, and it reduces muscle strength. And my next tip is to avoid alcohol. That post-workout or post-race beer directly impairs muscle protein synthesis, which is an essential step in recovery and adaptation to training. Even a single day per week of binge drinking has been linked to increase the risk of sarcopenia by four times, and sarcopenia is muscle wasting. 
Now, I probably don't need to tell you that it is hard to recover from your workouts if your muscles are wasting. And my final tip is to get a massage. Not only does a massage feel great, but evidence shows that it is absolutely awesome for recovery from exercise. The only reason I don't include it in my own personal recovery day workout is that it can be, well, costly. But if you can afford it, or your health plan covers it, or you're willing to just splurge occasionally, it has been shown to alleviate DOMS and speed up the recovery of muscle strength and enhance proprioception. It has also been shown to improve central nervous system parasympathetic and sympathetic balance. And this was true even if it was a massage device, not a massage human, who was doing the work. Now, there are, of course, many more pieces to the recovery puzzle, but I hope this gives you enough information and knowledge so that next time you have a hard workout or a hard race, you'll resist the urge to simply flop on the couch. Instead, I hope you'll try some active recovery, some foam rolling, some hot or cold therapy, some gooey bombs, replenishing carbs, or any number of the other options that I listed in this episode. Now, if you do, I guarantee that you will recover faster, better, and be feeling the recovery benefits in no time at all. Now, my name is Brock Armstrong, and I'm the Get Fit Guy, asking you, what are you waiting for? Go get fit. <laughs>